Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. action hello jonathan hello mike um, for the second time today due to a slight technical hitch i'm pleased to tell you that we are on the next stage of never split the difference by chris voss good book i'm, I'm enjoying it actually you're having fun with it i wouldn't say i was having fun but i am enjoying the book yeah and whilst people are listening to you what are they going to be doing what are you doing whilst they're listening to this? I'm definitely on holiday, putting weight on. Right now, as you listen to this, Michael is on holiday eating his body weight in chips. I'm going to eat as much junk as I can get my hands on. <laughs> but the thing is, I, 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 you know, during the week, Johnny, I eat pretty well. So when it comes to holidays, I'm going to eat as much crap what as I can What our listeners find. don't know is that Michael eats... Chicken and broccoli. Chicken and broccoli three times a day. Um, with Five days no a week. variation or flavouring. Yeah, Because exactly. for some reason, he feels guilty for being who he is and chooses to punish himself. No, I don't. I just don't get any... <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I would happily have just a food tablet. Yes. So, well, you can buy that sort of stuff. I, I bought some... Uh, some Soylent. I don't know what it was called, but I mean, it was £2.50, and it was all right. So we're on chapters three, four, and five of Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, and, uh, you know, wow, I'm really enjoying this one. Um, Chapter three is important. Yeah, I think... If you're listening to this, you're driving along in your car. If you haven't read the book, I'm going to actually suggest you pause the podcast and get home, read the chapter, and then play, as, play it in the morning. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to do that, but it's a good idea if you do do because that. Because actually, it's very rich. Well, it's not so much that. I think this content. forms a very important part of his process. It should form a very important part of everyone's process, Mike. It should, but it does in his, and then yeah. he'll refer back to it an awful lot. Okay, so what we're really getting into here are the real nubbin parts of empathy, well, aren't Well, of we? empathy, yes, and understanding. Yeah, um, and what he talks about, instead of denying or ignoring emotions, good negotiators identify and influence them. And I don't think it should apply to good negotiators. It, 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 good salespeople. Well, just good people. Like, good people, yeah. People are just good at communicating. Yeah, identify. I've got a mate, so we're filming this in a studio. My mate lives quite close to here. He was a super-duper-duper duper successful person, actually worked for Oracle, left for whatever reason, became a vicar. Right. And it was like Not a modern church. Vicar. And he's uh, he set up, you know, these modern churches, and these modern churches, he's set up three now, and they get to being um, uh, uh, self-sustaining from a cash perspective, like a business almost. If you ever wanted to meet a man that listens to you, it's him. Right. Incredible. He observes everything about you. Lo and behold, he's quite successful. Right. Okay. He, he, he goes on to say, in my negotiating course, I tell my students that empathy is the ability to recognize the perspective of the counterpart and the vocalization of that recognition. 
He said, that's an academic way of saying that empathy is paying attention to another human being, asking what they are feeling and making a commitment to understanding their world. Notice I didn't say anything about agreeing with the other person's values and beliefs or giving out hugs. That's sympathy. What I'm talking about is trying to understand a situation from another person's perspective. And um, in the first attempt we had at recording this show, we fell out of one. Mike, Mike go- and I had an argument about a differing definition. Well, about- we're not going to go over that because there's no point. It didn't actually <laughs> add any value, did it? No, it didn't. And well, why, your sh- point why is- should our listeners put up with well, your, your point your is bollocks? that, that, that <laughs> is uh, a very important definition of what empathy is. I think that's, I wrote here in the book, um, in my page notes, I think that's one of the best definitions of empathy I've read in a book yet. I think a lot of people that think they know what empathy is don't. No, absolutely. They and a lot don't. of salespeople think they're empathising when actually they're sympathising with the customer. And they're going back to the office, oh, they're treating the customer badly, this, that, and this, that. No one cares. Do you understand what's emotionally going on with the customer and then how are you going to manage it? be an it? interesting thing to write down on your day book before you sat down with a client, wouldn't it? What's that? Uh, to try and be as empathetic as possible. Empathy. Em- well, I write, you, you, if I go to a customer meeting, I write certain things. At the you write top spin, of the page. that's not empathy. I write spin, and then I write V-A-K-O-G, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, augustatory. That's not empathy. No. But, it so, would be but if inter- I wrote spin, vacog, empathy. You have nothing, no, nothing else left to write. You have nothing yeah, I've already made my page notes. Um, I, I, I read this on the train. So page 53, it says... If you want to increase your neural resonance skills, take a moment right now and practice. Turn your attention to someone who's talking near you or watch a person being interviewed on TV. As they talk, imagine you are that person. Visualise yourself in the position they describe and put as much detail as you can as if you were actually there. Now, I did this on a train, you know, on the four-person table. Yeah. I did this with a lady sat opposite me. You know, literally <laughs> couldn't have been less like number. me. <laughs> But our point is, it was a very interesting thing to do to rather than listen to her, to try and look at it from her perspective. Yeah, it is a fascinating too. I know we've talked about this before, but I do think empathy is a very difficult thing to scale. Yes, it is. I do agree with that. Oh, it, requ- it requires too much skill. Yeah. And, and, you, and you look at our SaaS-driven software world, it's got nothing to do with empathy. No. It's a telling mentality, that, isn't it? Yeah, if you, if you know, we'll probably get shot by Tableau or sued or something. Um, but if you look at Tableau. Is that the one where the software doesn't work? Nah, <laughs> Tableau. But if you look at, I don't know, Tableau or Click. Or where, Salesforce. You know, how is Salesforce sold? It's, it, well, it's a puppy dog sale. Puppy dog sale. Um, really, uh, it, it doesn't. Oh, LinkedIn. The SaaS, LinkedIn. Mar- the SaaS market in general. LinkedIn. Look at their mark. Look at their, they've got no empathy whatsoever. You know, well, but their argument is they don't need it. They don't need it. They've got monopoly. And actually, I think that the need for empathy in a SaaS-driven world is lesser. About much so, yeah. But at the same time, it's also very. You know, if you we talk, I've talked about this in previous episodes about the concept of blitz scaling a business. Having a, an army of exceedingly skillful, exceedingly talented, empathic salespeople is actually contrary to a blitz-scaling strategy. What did you make of this term, labelling? I liked that. Yes. So what he talks about is spotting feelings, turning them into words, and then very calmly and respectfully repeating the emotion back to the the other person. And what he, what he, he, he talks about, what's interesting is, at Childline, 
they would teach you to say, I'm hearing that. So if the caller says, and you'd say, I'm hearing that you're very angry, which you'd be labeling it back. Now he's saying you wouldn't say I. Yes, well, I noticed that. I gets people's guards up. Because it, he gets, said it, because seems it becomes like... about your interpretation. And I think he's absolutely right here. What actually he would say is, it seems like you may be very angry with that. Yep. Now, there is an issue with this, which is that I think you can very easily get into mind reading. And a mind read that's off, I think, can break rapport very, very quickly. You're probably right about that. Oh, it seems that you're very angry. No, I'm not fucking angry, idiot. I'm angry now because you completely misunderstood me. Mm. Whereas, actually, what I was trained to say was, okay, obviously I don't know you that very well, but what it seems like is I'm interpreting this as being anger for you. That's a nicer way of putting it. Have I got that right? And then they'll go, well, actually, yes, you have got that right. And then you might go, and then you could just reflect and go, hmm, anger. Good, that's good, that, Johnny. That's a good addition to the book, actually. So that's, that, so that's how you might do it in a, in a different way. But I, I think that is a very powerful thing, and it can be very, depending on the emotion, very powerful to have that fed back to yourself. Mm. Because often, actually, people don't realise what their emotion is. No, they don't. They're just venting And then, off, obviously, they? he would then go back to, and I, I've written here, it seems like, and then I've written, and then shut up. Which is great. Um, so what's really pleasing here, and you know my clarion call of all the sales books we've been listening to is nobody talks enough about really true effective listening. This guy's talking about it. And this guy's talking about it in a way that actually, if you sat down and read this book repeatedly, you could pick up on it. Um, the other bit I really like here is he talks about uh, basic terms, people's emotions of two levels, presenting problem and the underlying feeling. And again, you know, how often have we talked about the presenting objection is yeah, yeah. the presenting objection, which is absolutely great. He's really on the money here, this guy. Um, yeah, I, I wrote here on page 59, 59 pages in, and I finally found something I don't like about the guy's book. What is it? The, the bit where I, I picked up on the fact that he's talking about mind reading. We don't see each other all that often. You could say, it seems like you feel like we don't pay any attention to you and you only see us once a year. So why should you make time for us? For me, that's a mind read. Okay. And you could get that so horribly wrong. So, but hold on a minute. I'm 59 pages into a 240-page book. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't like and the I previous. Found, I, I didn't like I the previous section on changing your voice. So, actually, I hated that. But yeah, um, and then we move further on into this chapter on don't feeling pain, labeling it. Um, he tells a story here. Um, that's right. There's a story he talks about, about a salesperson or a fundraiser at a charity. Fundraiser, yeah, yeah. Um, and how the fundraiser at the charity labelled something, labelled it back. In many respects, it's a reflection or a summary. I actually wrote, that's great, but wouldn't it have been easier to have just probed for some needs and do some discovery first? Yeah, fair enough. You know, so it... it yeah, you know, and then it, I really like this bit, accusation audits. And he's talking diffusive. about, yeah, yeah, okay. Listing every terrible thing your counterpart could say about you in what I call an accusation audit. 
this idea of an accusation audit is really hard for people to get their minds around. First time I tell students about it, they say, oh my God, we can't do that. Seems both artificial and self-loathing. So what, you know, for example, I'm talking to a salesperson at the moment who's in the middle of a, a very difficult negotiation where the pressure is on a client to sign a contract for an extension for a technology that actually is end of life or upgrade to another technology, which they don't want really. But if they upgrade to the other technology, it means they've made a strategic technology decision on behalf of the group. So what you're going to say to that sales guy is, listen, neither of these options are good. And actually, I was thinking about it because the candidate was was saying, I'm just in such a terrible pickle with it. Actually, what the candidate probably ought to do if he was doing an accusation audit would be to walk into the customer and say, actually, you're probably well within your rights to be quite angry here because you probably feel like we're leveraging into signing a deal that you don't want, aren't you? Yes. And actually going through all the things that the customer could accuse them of and getting them out there. And I think that's a, I do agree, that must be incredibly powerful in that scenario mm. because that's a key negotiation. I loved that. I thought, wow, I'm going to try that. Okay. And he's, aut- he's out-vocabbed me. Go on. Page 66, he uses the word vituperative. You I've know, got to you tell you. know what that means? He's beaten me. He's done me. What does it mean? Vituperative. I think it's bitter and um, angry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had to look it up. I put a note here. There's not much to say about these pages, but really? the examples are good. Oh, I think there's a lot to say. Well, go on then. Just in the in the whole concept of labelling, I think it there's not much to say because it's just so darn right. That's what I put. Yeah, I mean, the examples are good and it's right and everything, but I but, like his example about how he got an upgrade. How did he get an upgrade? Which was that one? He got an upgrade on a plane, and it, and it. You know, a lot of it is common. Oh, was sense. that was that the, was that the man that um, that had to get the two people were grumping out at the yeah, the flights yeah. all got all got cancelled and he turned up to the lady and he was nice and yeah and then he shifted the blame and he's done an accusation audit uh, just really cool. Um, I've written here. I'm loving this book and that's going to take some integrating, but it really is good. Um, and and I do think it is. You know, some of it, it it's gonna. This is going to be one of those where you'll have to read it two or three times and you'll have to make the disciplined note to come back to it. You'd have to integrate it. Yeah. And actually, probably the best thing to do is to go on a course with it It, it, because it's some of it isn't complex, but it will need practice. Yeah. Page 70 goes, following on the heels of an argument is a great position for a negotiator because your counterpart is desperate for an empathetic connection. Smile and you're already an improvement. So it was interesting, actually, with some of the work that I do with clients, sometimes easier to step into a client where they've had a bad recruiter on the case. Go on. Well, if they're a bad recruiter on the case and you're not a bad recruiter, you're already at an advantage, aren't you? And how does that reflect to, to the... That's what he was just talking it. about. He's saying, following on from the heels of an argument is a great position for a negotiator because your counterpart is desperate for an empathetic connection. Smile and you're already an improvement. Okay. And then we're on to chapter four. Beware, yes, master, no. Yeah, interesting. What do you, go on. What do you mean? Yeah, comma. Well, I tell, I tell, I tell, yeah, comma, interesting. Well, I, tell, I, tell, I tell you what's interesting. So he talks about, I don't know exactly where it is in this chapter, but he talks about the sales scripts that make us say yes. So you get them all the time. Yeah, a yes set. Yeah, yeah. So my phone is up for contract. 
Quite a hout, everybody. Oh, quite a hout. Hello, Mr. Price. It's O2 business team. Quite I get about eight calls a week. Well, everybody else seems to know as well. So I think f- there are about 20 different companies acting on behalf of O2 business team. So, so, and, so, none of, and we look like complete whales because we've not renewed any of the phones. Yeah, yeah, because what's the point? There's no, there's no need to tie yourself in. I just don't do that. And, I, and I'm the same with my home broadband. My home broadband has been out of contract for three years. So we, I'm getting a load of these cold calls during the working day as well. From what looks like a mobile number, so I answer it. Yep. So you get, but the guy on the other end of the line, what does he say to you? He says, "I've noticed your phones are out of uh, contract. Aren't would you they? Would you like?" To, they? they don't say that; they're not that good. But they go, "Wouldn't you like to say? Would you like to save money on your mobile phone bill?" So I have to say no. <laughs> but actually, what I'm saying is no, because I can't be asked talking. It's just going to take ages. You can't be asked getting into giving him the opportunity oh, to overcome blah, blah, blah. But actually, his yes set. What happens with the yes set script is. You have to say yes, but you build up resistance to the other person that you're dealing with. And actually, with. In your so- and what he's saying is, in your soul, you're saying no. It's like the, it's like the charity people on the street. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they really, they're, they're, it's emotional blackmail, isn't it? Don't you want to help starving children in Africa? Oh, you don't, you bastard. Yeah, it's yeah. so smart, but actually it builds a resistance. So what this guy's talking about is getting to the no isn't a bad place to start from. I did think it's a very, very good chapter, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And what he's talking about is mastering no, um, rather than yes. It's very... starting your negotiation with no. And actually, I'll tell you what this has got me thinking about. I I run... um, I I use like an automated campaign thing that I'm using for for canvassing. And a lot of my question is, have you ever made a bad sales hire? is the subject title of my campaign. So they're going to say yes, and that takes them down a path. Correct. Nobody's going to deny it, are they? Um, But actually, it's really made me think I'm going to rephrase it and see what I'm going to take it to. I'm going to rephrase the question into a no answer. Well, I think he says you just got to leave it open to be a no. Well, you've got to allow the customer to say no. It's a yes or a no. No, what he's saying is you want to start a conversation well, he's with saying no. get to, Well, he's saying there's a no everywhere. You've got to get to it. Yeah. He's actually saying get them to say no. But, if, you know, if we, if we take, you know, the person um, trying to sell me a mobile phone contract, they should get to know more quickly with me because actually they would find my objection is, my objection isn't about saving money. My objection is it's just going to be a pain in the ass to sort out. Yeah. And if they got to my no more quickly, they could find the objection which is pain in the ass to sort out and then they'd have a better crack at overcoming it. So did you get to this bit, the, so, the three kinds of yes, or are you a little bit before there? What page is that, Pressy? That is uh, page 80. Page 80. So there are three kinds of yes, counterfeit, confirmation and commitment. Like that. I really like that. Because what he's saying is you can get these yeses, but not all of them are real yeses. Oh, they're not real yeses. And we've all had that, haven't we? Where we've They're counterfeit yeses. How many times have you walked out of a meeting, got in your car and gone, yes, nailed it, nailed it. Got home, never heard from the customer again. And he would say it was a counterfeit yes. Yeah, he would. And and actually- There was actually a no there you should have got there. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that I've got to say I'm really enjoying about this book is- what we're talking about here is real craftsmanship as a salesperson. Yes, what he's talking here, no, is the word that gives the speaker feelings of safety and control. He's thinking about... Control. Yeah, and he's thinking, he's looking control at it empathetically. Of the, of controlling the interaction, letting them say no. 
It's very subtle, very cunning, very clever. And, uh, and it's great to read a book about business and sales that is this much about the craft and not just about... If it, he chooses his words like a scalpel. Yes. He's very careful with it. Language being the precision instrument with which we earn our, our, our bread. And, I, and I'm really enjoying that. Um, and I love the fact that he talks about having worked on a suicide helpline. Yes, um, he did, yes, so he could get and, into it. And where he learned his, learned his listening chops a little bit. Um, and he talks about, uh, that's it. <laughs> he, he makes a call and he thinks he smashed it. And then the, super, the shift supervisors turn around and said, no, mate, you've absolutely made a stinker of a call. Because the, the guy sat there congratulating you at the end of it, saying, thanks, you did so much. And he's saying, actually, the art is not doing much. It's them doing it. Yeah, yeah. And them coming to the conclusion. What page are you on? 80, I'm on 86. 83. I'm on 83, oh, okay. which I thought was really great. Um, and then he talks about, uh, you know, act, he's talking about real active listening. And then he talks about how being nice in the form of feigned sympathy is often equally unsuccessful. You get that in so many salespeople where it's, it is feigned sympathy. I always remember going back to the empathy sympathy thing. The Sams that burned out were always the sympathetic ones. I don't know. I can't really remember. I remember really the, remember, one, the ones that came and went that lasted four weeks after initial training. They were always the ones that were crying at the end of the shift. Oh, I can't believe that poor man. And I never used to cry at the end of the shift. And I used to think, am I like some sort of weird sociopath? Yeah, it didn't used to bother me in the slightest. And, and people used to say to me, how do you do it? And I used to say, well, surely if I've listened as hard as I can and I've used the skills that they've taught me as best as I can, then I've done the best I can for the punter and that's it and all about it. And then I used to the just go punter. and forget about it. But I think it's the same in, a, in any sales call, isn't it? Is it, it almost it, the content itself doesn't matter. It's the ability to say, I'm going to listen as hard as I can. As long as I have, I'll be all right. Probably. It goes on here, page 86. That's why I tell my students that if you're trying to sell something, don't start with, do you have a few minutes to talk? Oh, no, I really disliked this. Me too. Instead ask, is now a bad time to talk? Really dislike that. You can tell you don't do much canvas in this guy, can't you? Yeah. Sorry, Chris Voss, of the, formerly of the FBI. You've got this bit really wrong, mate. Terrible. Absolute shocker. E either you get, yes, it's a bad time, come followed and, by a good time. Come and, yeah, come and come spend a bit of time in our universe, mate. <laughs> you won't last long if you ask people if it's a good time to talk. You just so, so I'm loving the book, but the please, please, listeners, skip page eighty six and eighty seven. Um, he's missed that. He, he's dropped the ball. I thought with that. I agree. Um, but then he, but this whole point about no, I do think is really great. Beware, well, well, yes, well, well no is a bit further down the funnel. It works a bit further down the funnel, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. This, this, this is a bottom of the funnel book. Learn to see no for what it is. Rather than harming them or those they negotiate with, no protects and benefits all parties in the exchange. No creates safety, security, and the feeling of control. It's a requirement to implementable success. It's a pause, a nudge, and a chance for the speaker to articulate what they do want. No has a lot of skills. No allows the issues to be brought forth, protects people from making and lets them correct ineffective decisions. I like it. And he gives a great example here. About, well, the fundraiser. Yeah. You know, those scripts are well worth reading, aren't they? I'll, I'll read it. Come on, Johnny. Uh, I'll be Mr. Smith. No, let's not, let's not go through the whole thing. I think it's a good script, that. And, it, and this is the bit where I've said I need to rewrite my script for that particular campaign. 
And I am going to rewrite it on the basis of that. Do you know, the next page, uh, whatever it is, 92. Email um, magic. No, I did use it on him. It didn't work. But he's got a beauty in here, which is, have you given up on this project? I've used that a few times, actually. Sorry about banging the table, then lowering the book. So, so I've For used no it. reason. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but anyway, in his email, he's put, he said, have you given up on this project? I have done this a few times, actually, with clients and candidates, and they have all reacted very positively. It's much better than actually the strategy I sometimes employ when I haven't heard back from somebody, which is if I haven't heard back from you by Thursday, I'll... I'll assume you're not interested. I'll assume Well, I've used the same one, yeah. Whereas what, whereas what I've been putting is, have you given up on, let's say my client was Microsoft, have you given up on, my, on pursuing Microsoft? Or have Brilliant. you given up on this hiring campaign? Correct, yeah. Yeah. It's worked. And I bet, and, the res- and, and I do think that's the response really is elegant. Sh- Absolutely. Like within, within minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's really classy. But really it's very sim- similar though. It's we, elegant. We, you know, sometimes when I've not heard from a candidate, I, I, I've sent them an email saying, listen, you're obviously staying where you are, good luck. And they reply with, no, I'm not, Mike. Well, we send them an automated email. That's what I mean, yeah. They reply, the, no, good, luck, good luck in staying where you are, automated email. I'm not staying where I am. Yeah. But it makes people grumpy that. But and that's, that's the one I've underlined. The stayed in own job workflow email is a very passive aggressive thing to do. He's passive aggressive though. Yeah. Chris Voss is passive aggressive. Yeah, fuck yeah. Anyway, so And then now- trigger the two words, that uh, chapter five. Yes. And, and he actually starts talking here about Carl Rogers and about unconditional positive regard. The vast majority of us, however, as Rogers explained, come to expect that love, praise, and approval are dependent on saying and doing things that people, initially our parents, consider correct. That is because for us, most of the positive regard we experience is conditional. We develop a habit of hiding who we really are and what we really think, instead of calibrating our words to gain approval, but disclosing little. And what he's really talking about here is, the title of the chapter is Trigger the Two Words That Immediately Transform Any any Negotiation. And what are they, Pricey? I can't remember. I can't. Is that why you asked me? Yes. That's right. That's what they are. I wasn't being rhetorical. That's it. That's right. I can't find them, but... This, again, is very elegant. Oh, lovely, yeah. So what we're into now is the part of the conversation where you feed back your empathic learning Yes. Feedback, your empathetic listening, feedback some language to the point at which the individual goes, that's right. Mm. And that's your as commitment. Ex- as, as, a, as an expression of their comfort with your understanding of their map of the world as it is at that point. And he said, that is the, he said, that's what he, he calls was always, it a subtle epiphany. He was always aiming for that in his negotiation, wasn't yeah, he? The, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, you know, I've written here, that's right is bigger than a yes. It says you've listened, understood, empathised, and you get me. Mm. And it is true. It, you know, if customer turns around and says, that's right, yeah, you got it. You've got them, haven't you? If you said, oh, if, if the customer you've said- You've got them, you've understood them. You've got, yeah, you're there. You're in control of the sale. Well, you've understood them, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and he says, trigger that's right with a summary. And then he talks about effective pauses, minimal encouragers. Do you know what's interesting, actually? When I interview candidates, quite often I'll go through um, a SWOT. So we have a SWOT analysis in Salesforce, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats about the candidate. Very often we'll, we'll tell them exactly what's in my strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. It's amazing how much the candidate opens up if you get it right. Yeah. I hadn't realised it until this, but the candidate will just, then you, you want the video with them for another half hour. One of my favourites is, please may I just go over what we've talked about? So I would I never say sure, please. So I can make sure I've understood it as deeply as possible. I'll quite often say, 
I'm going to tell and you. And then I'll do a summary using their language, reflecting back to them. And then, oh, and then often I'll get a, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you've got it. I quite often will say, particularly with a client, I quite often say, I, I'm going to go through Why the Why will you not say please? I just think it's too reverential. Please, may I? I'm not, I'm not asking that. that. I'm just going to tell you. gentle, passive, aggressive. What I'm actually doing is I'm, if you think about it, what I'm actually doing is I'm making them agree with me. See, I don't think it sounds like that. I think you're nervous of asking them. No, I'm not remotely nervous of asking them. It sounds, language-wise, if I'd heard that on a script, I would say, it sounds like you're nervous of asking them. And then I think they then fall of going to agree in the emotional high ground and then your relationship with them isn't even like... Don't agree. Well, obviously you don't, you don't say it. Nobody's going to say to you, oh, I don't want you to do a summary of what we've just talked about. So why do you say please? Because it's a politeness, it's gentle, it just makes it more gentle. Uh, You know that actually my default setting can be very aggressive, so I work very hard at being very gentle. But please is just passive aggressive though, isn't it? Yeah. So I just take it out. Because it works for me. Because whatever works is whatever works. Well, exactly. That's why I don't say please. Because I think it's... So I really like that. And I can see how in a negotiation, you know, you give some really great cases. You can see how in a negotiation, a that's right. Oh, yeah. That's what it was always aiming for. Particularly in a very volatile scenario. Yeah. Would just... It's it's a soothing balm, isn't it? The moment somebody says, that's right, you've got it. That's it's very, it very Stephen Covey, isn't it? Seek first to understand. Yes. And that's the end of that chapter for me. Yeah. I'm just if there's anything else. I mean, we talk about black swans later in the book, don't yeah, we? Yeah, it's a chapter, so there's no point going through it. Yeah. Great. And that's the end of this. It is. And whilst people have been listening to this, you've been on your holiday. Next week, you'll be back. I will. All fuzzy-headed. All fuzzy-headed, all excitable, ready for the big running in September. Always busy in September. Always mental in September. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope it is. And at that, we bid you adieu. 